This is Calvin, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You've accessed the Do You Know Show, and we're bringing you social commentary from an African-American perspective. One thing that we have to let you know is that the views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this show and others, please log on to KUCI.org. Okay, um, I'm real excited about today's show, you guys. Um, we got two people here um, that are going to be bringing us some information um, that you definitely going to want to hear about. And um, I want you to know that what we're going to do today is something a little different because we have what's called a fun drive, but we got to raise money for this station. So the two people that are here today and others like them can continue to come on and give you this information that you definitely need to hear. But what I want to do first is to introduce them to you. And uh, one is Daphne Lee and the other Ricardo Rocha. You, are, you guys want to say hello to the audience? Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm going to just read a little something about who they are so you guys can have an idea as well as I um, am. As you know, we write a little something about our guests prior to the show, and this is what I put together. Join us at KUCI 88.9 FM's Black Talk Radio on Wednesday, April 29th, 2015 from 5 to 5.30 p.m. As host Calvin Gann interviews drama professor Daphne Lee and Ph.D. candidate director Ricardo Rocha. Hear how they've taken current sur student surveys and interviews on topics such as xenophobia, racism, and microaggression. Creatively morph them into a dramatic presentation and seek your observation, participation, and assistance in addressing these on-campus problems through dramatic transformations. So you guys, that's a lot for you to <laughs> learn about, but it sounds very interesting to me and I'm, you know, I'm eager to learn about it. What I'd like to do first is something that um, I think is so important and that is what it is that you started, Daphne, and um, it's called Dramatic Transformation. I need for you to give us an idea of what exactly that is. Okay, um, that's actually a pretty simple idea, dramatic and transformations, these two words. Of course, I am pretty bias, bias, uh, biased. I think drama solves all the problem, and drama is the greatest medium uh, that we should use. So the idea is to use drama to transform the community. Here is the UCI community. Um, I was uh, an equity advisor uh, for three years, and so I worked with faculty a lot on diversity issues. And there were a lot of uh, talks and lectures. and But every time I went, I felt it was kind of like preach to the choir. And the same people go the, all the time. And we need to reach wide. So my idea was to use drama to, which, you know, usually it's, uh, it's seen as entertainment. Use drama to lure people into this space and to learn about something. Uh, so hopefully for the people who have been there or people who will talk to other people about this, uh, we can make some changes. So that's the idea of transformation. Yeah, so that was the basic idea. Um, in terms of how it is done, uh, it is actually a three-phase uh, project. It's a whole year project. So we start with the research phase 
and then we have the creation phase, and then we have the performance phase, and then performance and reflection phase together. So the first phase is we do research. We have PhD students uh, interview people uh, on issues of diversity, and these are all graduate students. And we have a campus-wide survey. Uh, so we take all this data collected. Uh, then we move into a second phase, which is creation phase. So we create a play. We first adapt and write the play based on the interview. Then we create a play through rehearsal, and we have designers. And these are mostly drama students. And then the third phase is we perform it, and then we ask for reflections. The audience will fill out surveys. All participants will um, write something, their, their reflection, and we put the whole thing together to look back, think about this year's project, and like how much we have done, how much progress we have made. Have we made any progress? What are we going to do next year? So that's kind of the you know nutshell here. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I think um, is um, is very important, and that is, uh, how did you? What what made you decide that this is something that might work here? Because I was uh, under the impression, and still am under the impression, that you are aware of some things going on on campus that aren't really what I would call healthy in terms of uh, diverse cultures. Mm -hmm. There's seemingly a, a need for people to come together and reach some type of understanding in terms of uh, people who are not like themselves, and that's something that you're addressing so you know we I mentioned a couple of words xenophobia you know uh, racism uh, microaggression and these are things that I'm understanding are uh, happening here on campus mm -hmm. and so what was it about these three uh, uh, topics uh, that you decided needed to be addressed in the way that you're addressing them well I think um to think about the, the project, the uniqueness about this project is it starts from zero. It doesn't have anything to begin with. Oh, okay. We know people are, you know, we talk to people, we know we are probably, we're not happy about this, we're not happy about that. But, uh -huh. and we interview people and then to find out stories, what they really want us to know, okay. right? So for, uh, you know, and then of course we, this year for instance, we interviewed about 50 people mm -hmm. and then we could not tell all, all their stories. Okay. So we had to choose the most compelling ones. Mm -hmm. And so certain things, um, you know, dealing with these themes and there are some other things as well. Um, just kind of popped out and, okay. then, and then the writers decided you know these are the the most compelling stories okay and then that's why we're telling these stories and then we i always feel there's still so much we could write probably another two plays mm -hmm. based on mm -hmm. the interviews we did but you know one play is already killing us and ricardo knows <laughs> all about this because okay. he spends so much time working with actors and you know everyone okay. else yeah. okay and we we're going to get to ricardo in just a minute i just got one more thing for you uh right now and that is that there's two plays that have taken place already, the first being Diversityville, mm -hmm. uh, which J. Austin Williams put together, mm -hmm. and then the second one, Diversitopia, mm -hmm. by uh, Anna Hansen and Wynne Woods, I think the name is. Mm -hmm. How did those two plays, in, as far as you're concerned, have an impact on the school uh, as a whole? How did, how, did, how did they work out for you? Um, well, I'm not quite sure about the impact. I think... Well, from the first year, first year was totally an experiment. Okay. We, I had no idea what it would be. And then, uh, so when I had this idea, I just, you know, ran it through with the dean of graduate school and then the director of the advanced program. They both really supported this idea. So once I knew they supported this idea, I started talking to Jay about this. Okay. And then so... 
And then so because I know she's, you know, she directs and she writes. So, um, yeah, so we started to get this thing going. And the first year it was a short play. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so the first time we did it and it was pretty successful. The, the feedback was all really good. Okay. And then, so I don't know whether the there was like... Um, solid impact but mm-hmm. what I noticed was the second year after the first year people knew about this at least a few hundred people knew about this okay. and the second year when the survey was out it was in you know three days we have like a hundred people filling out the surveys okay. so you see people are willing to talk to I us got you. I got the third you. year I felt the same the third year we added one question on the survey saying if you are willing to be interviewed mm-hmm. let us know and then mm. we pretty soon we have dozens of people okay. we even okay. have people say I want to be in it oh okay uh, so okay. I, I feel at least from the participation mm-hmm. rate there there is some kind of impact that right. people are willing to talk people mm-hmm. Yeah, there are more stories being collected. People right. are not afraid to to talk about right, this. Right, know? right, right. That's that. That's important, and that's exactly what I was looking for. Because the fact of the matter is, a lot of times we do things and we don't uh, see a, a result or something that we were looking for. You know what I mean? But understand that something had to have happened. If you had a hundred people at one time, and then it jumps to a thousand people, mm-hmm. and then people want to be in the show. They didn't want to be in the first one. You know, the mm-hmm. first place. Right. So <laughs> that's definitely some progress. Which says to me. Way that at least they're aware of what's going on mm-hmm. and they want to participate in it, which mm-hmm. I think is so so very mm-hmm. important because anything that you do is going to take some years before it reaches a point where you exactly. can really have some noticeable results. You know, mm-hmm. like with business, five years is the minimum. You know what I mean? And so you guys are betting a thousand already. Um, and you know, Ricardo, uh, how did you how did you come to get involved in this? And 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 tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of you coming here to UCI and then getting involved in something of this nature. What is it? You know, what, how did that how did that happen for you? Well, I've been having flashbacks of my first encounter or passion for theater when I was an undergraduate student at UC Berkeley. Um, I got involved with a group of pre-med students. I was pre-med at that time. Um, okay. That did it. <laughs> That's serious. a switch. Uh, <laughs> From I, doctor to director. Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Um, this group of students, what we did was we would go out and educate uh, the community at large um, throughout the Bay Area about HIV and AIDS. And this is in 1992. Mm-hmm. And we found that the best way we could engage um, students, the public, the community in general, was through theater. We started doing scenes to play certain things out regarding um, the uh, disparity of HIV infection Mm -hmm. and uh, the rate of uh, the stereotypes that were out of control at that time regarding um, HIV and AIDS awareness. Um, so we started to realize that theater was really a form to engage um, the audience and, and have them really participate and get involved in, in doing something about this this new um, uh, situation okay. for the entire country or mm-hmm. for the entire world at that. Um, and, I, and I realized that this was really something that, that had a great effect uh, on the community's health. Mm-hmm. Um, their direct physical health, but also their mental health to a okay. certain extent. right. Um, and the com- and that group still exists to this day. It's called the Multicultural AIDS Peer Theater Program, uh, MAP for short. Mm-hmm. And so that 
<laughs> drove me to change my major to dramatic art <laughs> okay. and, uh, and comparative literature uh-huh. uh, because I really wanted to get trained in, in this art form that I was just discovering Okay, uh, when it came to educating um, and using theater as a form of, uh, of education. Okay. So then, uh, you know, after that, I went to, to get an, uh, a master's in it uh, at the University of Wisconsin, and I did a lot of work there with the chancellor at the time um, of addressing minority communities and the type of education that was very uh, useful for them in order to compete with more privileged communities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I did some great work there um, in that regard. And I, I was also... I'm also an actor. I've been an actor, you know, stage actor primarily uh, for about 15 years. And I've been teaching literature and acting all this time. Okay. And using literature, using specific plays to engage the community Mm -hmm. depending on the support that I, or depending on the needs of the community. Okay. Whether that community needed English as a second language or that community uh, needed more... um, information regarding health for example mm-hmm. or in this case uh, here at UCI uh, where that community is interested in tackling this topic this difficult topic of diversity okay and how this show in particular uh, is not I hope a passive consumption of theater and entertainment but it actually is a show that engages that doesn't repair because I don't think it has repair, mm-hmm. uh, but that does engage the audience with um, these manifestations of xenophobia, racism, or related intolerances, um, and other inequities on campus was something that was really attractive to me. Okay. Um, and that as an actor, as a director, um, and as a teacher in colleges and high schools for many years, I thought it was really a nice marriage for me okay. to, take this, okay. to take this material, this research, um, and adapt it into something that um, I think is really beneficial on the UCI campus. Okay. Now the 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 title, because I you know I had a little French and a little Spanish, but I don't I don't speak either <laughs> either of them. But diversity key it, to me it sounds like diversity. Who is that? Am I correct about that? Or how does that translate? Sure, it's diversity diversity k diversity k which means basically what what. K yeah. is what? Okay. Right, right. <laughs> That's Spanish, right? It's Spanish. Okay. <laughs> um, and, it, and it's meant to provide this question. It, mm-hmm. it has a question mark on the right-hand side, and it has an exclamation point on the left. Okay. In Spanish, we use the interrogative or the exclamation on both ends Mm -hmm. of the the sentence. But that's the whole point where it's something that people react to sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, very passionately to. Right. This definition of diversity. Uh It can't be defined, in my opinion, um, so everybody has their own sort of diversique response. Okay, I got that, you, yeah. I got you. Diversity, what? It's you wanted di- to say something, Daphne? I want to say, <laughs> say something about the title because the first year we had the title um, Diversity Veal, which mm-hmm. is a, like a village, like a city of right. diversity. And then the idea is sort of like you're looking for that. You're mm-hmm. looking for the ideal place. And then the second year we have a, a, a play called Diversitopia. So okay. it plays with the idea of utopia. But of course, as 
as we know, Utopia is a place you can can never be found. Okay, right? okay, okay. So, and then this year we were trying to, you know, we we're struggling with the the name diversity. What we kind of thought we had to sort of continue the the tradition. I got you. And then we realized actually, you know, this year we have undergrad actors. A lot of people don't even know that word that well like mm-hmm. diversity the word diversity mm-hmm. people don't understand the meaning people don't even see that word so much in their uh-huh. lives so it's a diverse what you know right, it's kind of I like the you. idea okay. and then also through throughout you know all, all these years we really try to interrogate the, the definition and try to define it and then as soon as you define it you realize there's a d- different definition so it's always not stable the definition mm-hmm. is not stable it depends on the context so we really try to be really critical about that there's it's not a really set concept about what diversity is it's not a quota system it's not that it's not okay. institutionalized uh, multiculturalism. Okay. Right? So it, it really changes depending on the context and situation and, and all that. Yeah. Okay. You know, you guys, um, you talked earlier on about uh, involving the students in the in the the, the, the piece itself, you know, and the, by the piece, I don't mean the play is, is especially, but just the movement itself, the diversity movement on campus. Now, in doing so, that means that people are made aware that it exists. You know, and in terms of the play, you know, they are made aware of the fact that they are means of addressing it, you know. And and from what I'm hearing from you from you guys, your major objective is making people aware that diversity does exist on campus. And you have uh, compiled a lot of information in terms of how different people feel about different things that are going on on campus. And you've melded them into a play, so to speak, reflecting other people on campus, their ideas and their ways of looking at things. And as a result of having done that, you're going to present it to all of us so that we can see pretty much the barometer of what's happening here on campus. And after that, where do we go? Everybody now is aware that this is what's happening on campus. These are the people that are talking about it. This is the play. You can see it for yourself with your own eyes, what it looks like. And so, and now where do we go? Well, I think the fact that we're all implicated okay. in this subject matter. Okay. Um, I think the fact that the audience needs to participate. Mm-hmm. I think for me, at least, um, as an audience member, or even directing this, um, that's where I hope we can go. Ideally, you're, you're going to put a show together that people are talking about afterwards right. or engaging it with um, passionate disagreement, perhaps, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or at least touching their lives in some aspect or another, whether they agree with things that happen on stage or disagree. Uh, but the fact is that in even the way the f- show is played out and staged, it's really, uh, in a sense forcing the audience to recognize that we are all implicated okay. in this topic of diversity. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned earlier, Calvin, not just on the UCI campus, but in this country. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. may have really strong opinions when we watch Bill Maher or John Stewart at home as far as politics, as far uh-huh. as what's going on in Baltimore, as far as what's going on in New York, as far as what's going on around in the country. Mm-hmm. But when we come to the institution, when we come to work, or wherever we're going to participate in our lives, we rarely get the opportunity to really express how consciously and even subconsciously we feel about these things. Okay. And I think that's where a lot of the tension comes from. Mm. Mm. Um, in general, and from my 
experience you know teaching in different places okay um you know the teaching at long beach city college for example uh, i was really humbled by the anger coupled with the ambition that students there had mm -hmm. because of the class that they belonged to because of the lack of opportunities they had mm -hmm. because they were struggling as single moms you know with with kids and and very little funding to try to get a degree right and right. And, and as far as the 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 contradictions and the challenges that education has these days mm -hmm. with trying to um, involve a diversity of students with no money. I got you. Without got funding, you. without the funding that it needs so so desperately. Okay. Um, and I think that's a lot of the frustration um, from my perspective here uh, of what's going on in Baltimore. Okay. I mean, in Baltimore, they're going through, they're still in the recession. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. They're going through some really difficult economic times. Right. Um, right. And, you know, and the frustration is, is, is completely understood. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. there's no accountability. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hope we see with the show, even if it's on an individual basis as an audience member watching it, is that we're all implicated, we're all accountable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's discuss let's part let's communicate okay okay let's communicate even if we disagree okay okay so i think a couple of things i want people to think about just metaphorically at least i think what two things from this play one is the idea of noises cacophony mm. right so we're not presenting a very happy silence Mm -hmm. Right, because if if it's silence, if it's happiness, is if if the happiness is silence, that's not healthy, right? So we bring out the noises. And another thing we talk about that in the play is we. I mean, this is quoting a, a character. We are all living in our individual bubbles, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So whether we see the world is diverse or not, we are basically pretty much looking at that through from our bubbles inside right. the bubble our own so perspective could, yeah. right perspective mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. exactly that is you know perspective perception you right know, that's the idea so mm -hmm. it might be distorted right right so the next step is to pop the bubbles uh -huh. so you can go out <laughs> okay you can see each other okay. eye to eye okay and then and then the idea like in this kind of you know this kind of age that everyone is hiding behind their screens uh -huh, right uh -huh, that's also uh -huh. a form of bubble okay okay bubble, right? okay yeah you you know that's that that's so interesting both of you I, I i really got a lot of what out of what you just said because even in, in bringing baltimore here to uci the fact of the matter is is that i you know i heard somebody on the radio here you know talking yesterday about the situation in baltimore and some guys went into a liquor store and they and they you know uh, stole liquor because they had you know they were rioting and so they broke into the store stole the liquor and she could not understand the violence she said i don't understand why the violence but 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 she's looking at it from inside her bubble <laughs> and that's what she's seeing and not understand the things you were talking about ricardo in terms of what it is that these people are doing every day because you know you might be jeopardizing someone who works in the liquor store you might be jeopardizing their job but you don't even have a job and that needs to be addressed as well and so in looking at things from that perspective we understand the need to burst that bubble and have everybody communicate from their own perspective without that protection and talk about some things that are going on and i think you guys are going to uh open that up so that it can happen you've been doing it for two years now and i think it's escalating in a good way you know what i mean because people need to be where made aware that we're all responsible whether we want to be or not for our own well-being and the only way we can be responsible is understanding that we have to communicate with others and see things from their perspective as well uh man it's it, so little time i need for you guys 
guys, you know, for, first of all, we need to know that the, these um, plays are going to take place. We need to know the date, the time, the place. And we also need to know uh, um, the, a parting word from the both of you in regard to what it is that you're doing. Sure. So somebody let us know when it's going to happen. Sure. Um, and thank you, Calvin, so much for having us. Really oh, appreciate no problem. this opportunity no problem. this conversation. Uh, the play is, is going to take place at the... Uh, I already forgot the name of the theater. Winifred the <laughs> <laughs> I'm new to UCI. So. <laughs> okay. At Winifred, Winifred Smith Hall. Uh, and it's in the Claire Trevor School of the Arts. And it is Monday at 5 p.m., Monday, May 4th, and then Tuesday at 5 p.m., May 5th. Okay. And there's a talk back afterwards, which is a great opportunity yes, for audience members to voice their, their opinions. Okay. Uh, and their strong opinions, God permit, on the show and on related issues. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a reception as well. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we'd love for you guys to participate in uh, in the obviously watching the show, the talk back, the reception, and there's a post show survey, uh, which would be gratefully um, you know filled out. Uh, and as far as parting words, uh, I just want to mention how um, how we're continuously misinterpreting one another. Okay day to day mm -hmm. <laughs> wherever yeah. we work wherever we play wherever we go to school and you know I hope this is a small way um, that in the UCI community we can open up spaces of reinterpretation okay, okay. so we can really you know look at each other eye to eye mm -hmm. sit down disagree agree yes and find yeah. those things in common that I think um you know, at the risk of defining diversity, I think are, are really important. It's okay. to find those things in common that we care about. Thank you so much, Ricardo. Daphne? Well, um, I think we need to look at noises and hear noises and think that is part of the progress. Okay. Then we allow these noises come out and try to listen to them. And then I think another thing that Ricardo said, we are all implicated. Mm -hmm. To think about our action, our words, uh, has have all the um, effect and affect on the community. Okay. So okay. we are all connected this way. So don't hide behind your little bubbles. <laughs> and I do want you to speak loud and clear. <laughs> if you want to be anonymous, you can certainly write in the survey okay. to tell us what you think. Okay. But we have the chances to have communication. Okay, okay. So wow. I'll see you on May 4th or 5th. Yeah, and uh, I need for you guys to know that if you want to see this face, you know, uh, I'm going to be there one of those days. I don't know which one, but I'm definitely going to be there. And uh, I need to see you guys. Guys, you know, and 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 come holler at the brother, you know. Uh, you guys, thank you so much, so much for coming out. And we need this. We definitely need this because there's things going on in the world that this campus, in particular, can do something about. And we don't even realize that, but we'll begin to realize if we just take that first step. And I think that first step would be checking out these plays. And so that's going to be. May 4th and 5th, that's Monday and Tuesday, in the Winifred Smith Hall at 5 o'clock p.m. I expect to see y'all there. All right, you guys, thanks so much for coming in and sharing with us, and uh, I'll see y'all Monday or Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kevin. Okay.
Okay, you guys, this is Calvin, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You've accessed the Black Talk Radio Show, and we're bringing you social commentary from an African-American perspective. One thing I must let you know, though, is that the views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this show and others, please log on to KUCI.org. How you guys doing? I hope you got an opportunity to listen to the first half of the show. Uh, But if you didn't, I want to let you know that there's going to be a a play, uh, Diversa K, uh, that's going to be taking place um, on Monday and Tuesday of this coming week. I think that's the 4th and the 5th. And it's going to be held in the Winifred Smith Hall. That's 5 p.m. On Monday and Tuesday of this coming week, you guys need to get out there. Uh, Daphne Lee and uh, Ricardo, um, uh, what was Ricardo's Rocha, um, put something together for you guys, and it speaks uh, volumes about the the diversification that uh, is necessary and is taking place on this campus in spite of people fighting it, you know, because we are a diverse population. And there's some things that need to be addressed and things that need to be uh, looked at by everyone. And so I encourage you to come out and uh, check out this play and, uh, and, 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 and bring something with you in terms of thoughts and ideas about what we can do to address the situation uh, on campus. So you guys come on out again. That's May 4th and 5th uh, at 5 o'clock p.m. at the Winifred Smith Hall. Uh, as you know, uh, and some of you don't, but the, se- the second half of the show is about a blog, and I write a blog every week. And this particular blog is uh, entitled Someone You Should Know. Okay, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play this recording. I need for you all to listen closely to what it is that I have to say about this person you should know. And then I'm going to talk a little more about this person. So just hold on. Hello, this is Calvin with my latest blog entitled Someone You Should Know. We called her Gaga. Maybe it was because she was from Louisiana and it was a Creole idiom for grandmother. Or maybe it was because her oldest granddaughter had a speech impediment early on and couldn't say grandmama. Whatever the case, you might not have known Loretta Davenport Smith, but you knew Gaga. She came to Chicago in 1920 with her mother, Celestine Barber, and at the age of 16, she married Roosevelt Davenport, with whom she had three children, Calvin, Matlin, and Nathaniel. They all live with Roosevelt's mother and stepfather, Georgia and Earl Jennings, in a kitchenette apartment at 5526 South Michigan. Times were tough back then because of the Great Depression, and employment wasn't on an upward swing until America entered World War II in 1941. The Works Progress Administration, formed in 1939, provided hard-earned honest money for Earl and his stepson, Roosevelt. Gaga, on the other hand, got involved in what was called policy. She wrote numbers for patrons in betting parlors and delivered numbered slips and money to the policy headquarters located in a basement apartment on 54th and Prairie. Dangerous and illegal, but steady income, this precursor to today's lottery was one of her earlier means of contributing to the family's financial well-being. Now, Gaga was very fair-skinned with hazel eyes that turned gray or blue 
depended on the color of her attire. Had she so desired, she could have easily passed for white, but her refusal to do so caused her to be denied a job at Marshall Fields, which her fair complexion friend accepted without hesitation. Gaga's favorite phrase, got to keep on keeping on, was a never-ending stimulus, and she was seldom without employment. She held several legal occupations, the most sustainable being a waitress at an army officer's club. From our conversations, her presence there can ironically be attributed to her being able to pass Hollywood's brown bag test. Gaga's husband's unfaithfulness and her son Calvin's heroin addiction caused her extreme vexation for several years. After a divorce, she met Rayon Smith, whom she married and who was very adamant about moving to California. Wanting to start a new life and seeing an opportunity to be relieved of her son's continued harassment for money, she and her new husband, in their mid-fifties, moved to L.A. Rayon died suddenly a few years later. She remained in L.A., but decided, at the age of 70, to return to Chicago. She moved into a building about 5400 North in a predominantly white area. At the age of 75, she shared with us that she wanted a companion. When asked why she didn't pursue one, she responded that there were only white men available and that she preferred men of the black persuasion. Within a month or so, after being informed that elderly black men frequently gathered at a McDonald's on 7800 South Cottage Grove, she had moved into a building on 7600 South Maryland, three blocks from that particular McDonald's. Being the enterprising person she was, Gaga had no need to go to 7800 South Cottage Grove. Soon after the move, she came down from her apartment on the sixth floor and noticed an appealing gentleman in the lobby. She leisurely approached him and inquired if he knew how to defrost a freezer. He replied that he did, and although the freezer was never defrosted, they developed and maintained an intimate relationship for the next 15 years. They totally enjoyed traveling together and alternating their overnight stays between her sixth and his fourth floor apartment. According to Gaga, she had never been that happy in her entire life. Today would have been her 101st birthday. I remember the day before she left this earthly realm, just before her 91st birthday, when she announced that if you want to see Gaga again, you'd better do it today. I didn't see her that day, but I called that night. How you doing, Gaga, I asked. I'm doing well, she responded, just waiting on my mother. Evidently, her mother came, because early the next morning, Gaga had passed on. The Gaga I speak of is my grandmother, y'all. I love her, I appreciate the legacy she left, and I feel that she's someone you should know. I ask that you join with me in saying happy birthday, Gaga, and I implore you to at least consider her conviction to keep on keeping on, despite all odds, because someday, some way, it's all going to work out, in this realm and in the next. I'll holler. Okay. Um... Yeah, that's 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 Gaga, y'all, <laughs> and Gaga, happy, happy, happy birthday. 
uh, I uh, I had to do that. You know, I uh, I was reminded. I I get, sent a shout out to one of my one of my fifty children. If y'all didn't know, I you know I was a manager at a youth center in Chicago, and I had about fifty kids there. And one of their birthdays was uh, on the day of my radio show. I think it was last week, and I knew then that I needed to. No, it was a couple of weeks ago. I knew then that I had to make a dedication to my grandmother uh, on her birthday because today. Uh, as we speak is Gaga's birthday and again happy birthday um I want to I want to send a shout out right now to my mama uh, for helping me to put this thing together because she has some historical stuff that I you know that I wasn't aware of that I was able to use um and I also want to send a shout out to my sister Pat she's the one in the blog that had this speech impediment early on and uh, I want to let you know right now that she no longer has it and she talks just as much or if not more than I do so uh, Pat thank you mom thank you <laughs> and uh, and to all you who are listening I thank you for, for having tuned in uh, I think it's so important that we understand that the things that are going on in this world are not new you know all the problems that we're having all the way up to the situation in Baltimore you know that uh, we are in such an, an uproar about is not something new because there were a lot of riots back then when Gaga was was uh, here in Chicago a lot of things went on that were not pretty uh, from the time she came here from Louisiana until the time she left but uh, her contention was that uh, you know I'm not going to stop doing what I do and I remember one time uh, she was um, probably about 80 years old maybe and um, my mother used to call her every night you know and ask her you know make sure she was in the house and safe and that kind of thing and this particular night my mother called and she wasn't she didn't answer the phone she wasn't home so um, after you know calling 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 my mother finally got in touch with her and she said where you been she said I went to a party on the north side she said a party she said well you know you you 80 years old what you doing out in the streets this late at night it's, it's like after midnight she said oh don't worry i had on my bag lady clothes and what had happened was that she put her nice clothes in a bag put on an old raggedy coat over you know her 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 nice clothes you know and uh, when she got to the party she took the old raggedy coat off in the shoes and put her her party stuff on and then when she left the party she put on the raggedy bag lady stuff and came home you know and i'm saying that to say that uh you know, nothing should stop us no matter what's going on in the world. And God got demonstrated how important it is for us to live despite what's going on is our, you know, uh, prerogative to continue to live. And some other things she did was to continue to share ourselves with other human beings because there's no time that she ever. And she used to before she moved to Chicago, she used to come here at least two or three times a year. Well, not here, but from here, from L.A. to Chicago, at least two or three times a year. And every time I talked to her no matter what the trip was she always talked about how she had a conversation with somebody on the plane and the things that they shared this was all the time you know and while in in LA she uh she taught uh, uh Sunday school you know in LA for years and years and years and so she was always on the go always moving and always of the mindset that no matter what goes on in my life I'm going to share the goodness with other people you know and i'm going to live my life in a manner that is conducive to my being happy you know 
And I talked about the things that she had gone through with her husband, you know, my granddaddy, <laughs> you know, and uh, because of his unfaithfulness. And it was a lot of things that happened during that time uh, that she was married to him that caused her a lot of grief and vexation. But still, she continued to do what she did because she felt it was, you know, it was necessary to do. And I look at, at, at things back then and I look at the way things are going on now and I think about it. My mother, as a matter of fact, called me this morning in regard to this situation and that's the the fact that uh you know gaga was 16 when she got married and back then uh, if you got pregnant, you know, uh, no matter how old you were, you had to get married because it was this sense of, you know, um, uh, it's it's the right thing to do, you know. And we talked about how, um, you know, my mother, and myself, we talked about how, uh, in, in 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 accordance with the with the Bible, you know, God said that 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 man and woman should uh, uh, be fruitful and multiply, and we refer that to having children. But He never said that once you be fruitful and once that multiplication takes place then you don't have to worry about staying together but that was something that was so important during that time and up to probably when I was uh you know probably just a few years ago it happened where you know where people got married if if the woman got pregnant the two of them got married and they stayed married for the duration you know and today it's not it's not like that as a matter of fact people have babies cuz they they want to have babies by themselves you know they want to raise children by themselves but i think that was an important part i don't necessarily agree with you know forcing someone to get married but i definitely agree with a two uh parent household i definitely agree with that and so that was one of the aspects that happened back then that they were forced into. But as you can see, it didn't work out as as, as Gaga or, or Roosevelt intended it to. And consequently, they, you know, they weren't together. But the fact of the matter is that their children did experience that for, for a period of time. And I'm sure it put something in them because all her children, all of them got married, you know, and their children's children got married, you know. And I know that my marriage to my wife you know, is, is a result of having seen that when I was, you know, when I was very young. So, uh, again, that's just something that, that is continuing to happen in regard of the need for us to understand the importance of, of being together, especially when, when children are involved and whether or not we adhere to it, it's a different story. But, uh, Gaga was one who, you know, she, she, she stood her ground, you know, and she did what she needed to do in order to carry out, uh, her, her 16 year old marriage. Um, um, and I, I, I talked about uh, complexion because, you know, this is social commentary from a black perspective. And the thing is, is that uh, uh, color is, is is still something that's so very important. And I don't know uh, all my listeners, if you're aware of this, but there's uh, racism within the black culture. You know, we have we have skin color uh, 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 disputes, you know, and, and, and we still are at a, at a point where we feel that light skinned people are this and dark skinned people are that and that kind of thing. But it was perpetrated back then in Gaga's time is still being perpetrated today where fair skinned people seemingly have a better opportunity for success than others. And even back then it was, if you could pass for white, that, that was a boon to your career, you know, but Gaga was of the mindset that, look, I'm not lying. 
can't. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to tell a lie. You know, we f- she found out, as a matter of fact, and the way she found out was that she got some birth records and she found out that her father was was a Frenchman, Mr. Jackson. She never saw him in her life, but she knew that it was her daddy. And because of that, you know, uh, she was light complexed. She took on his genes. You know, and so she was aware that she came from a mixed marriage. But as far as she was concerned, because uh, her mother was black and, you know, way back in the day, they said, I think it's one drop of Negro blood makes you makes you a Negro. And so she accepted that. And that's what she stood on. You know, and as I said in the block, uh, she could have gotten away, but she didn't want to do that. She wanted to be uh, who she was and not have to lie on an application or in an interview and say, yes, I am white in order to get the job, you know, and to get a job at Marshall Fields from running numbers on the on 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 the street you know is a, is is definitely for me anyway you know is a step up but for her uh the truth was more important and the and the being proud of who she was was more important and uh, and I think that is something that we all need to uh have a uh you know a connection to and that's our integrity you know we need to hold on to that uh, I went on to talk about how um she um met this guy rayon smith you know later on in her 50s and uh, by that time she had gone through the divorce proceedings with her husband um but she was still being bothered by the fact that my namesake uncle calvin you know was a heroin addict and that uh he did a lot of things that you know are too numerous to name here in regard to harassing her for money you know did some things that you know you just shouldn't do uh to your mother you know what i mean or to anybody for that matter but those are some of the things that she had to put up with now she didn't run away to california because of that she went to california because she loved her husband that's what her husband wanted to do she wanted to have another opportunity to start her life in a way that uh that she wasn't accustomed to and then also by moving away she understood that she would be giving herself a break and possibly her son calvin a break from being dependent on her to maintain his drug habit and so she decided to move and uh, and uh, and as i said a couple of years later a few years later her husband uh uh died suddenly uh, i believe i didn't ask my mother but i believe it was in a plane crash and so um um gaga you know when we saw her the next time we saw her, her hair was completely white you know because of the life that she had led the things that she had been through uh she you know her hair turned completely white she had lost a lot of weight and uh she had decided at that time she was 70 years old to move back with her family to chicago we were definitely happy to see her we were concerned about her but things seemed to work out and she moved to this building on the north side um and uh it was a, it was a, a a senior citizen building and it was a jewish building you know and a lot of people there thought she was jewish and and when we would come there you know they would look at us and i guess they probably thought well maybe you know they're uh here to clean up or something <laughs> you know what i'm saying but i don't know why so many of them coming but maybe they're here for that because they could not understand how this this jewish white woman was was having all these black <laughs> brown skin people coming to visit her from time to time but be that as it may uh she never had to deny her you know her race because nobody ever said anything to her but at the time as i said in the blog she was ready for a companionship uh and she said she preferred black men and we told her that if you move to the south side of chicago you'll probably find them at the mcdonald's on 78th and cottage grove she moved to a home on 76th and cottage and you know a block off cottage on maryland and uh she's 
she's walking down the stairs i mean coming down off the elevator and she sees this guy his name is lou and she approaches him and asks him if he knows how to defrost a refrigerator a freezer and as i told you in the blog he said that he did but he told me uh, about five years later six years later he said cam you know i still haven't defrosted that freezer <laughs> you know and it was so amazing to me because it was so funny uh, I, and I asked Gaga this, you know, because sometimes I would come over there and she would be in his apartment. And then sometimes I come and he'd be in her apartment. And I asked her, I said, uh, do y'all spend the night? And she said, boy, quit asking those kind of questions, which told me that, yeah, they do. And, and, and I wanted to know what, you know, what do 75, 85, 90 year old people be doing? you know together but uh i didn't but i guess i'll find out later on you know so <laughs> it's, it's just um it's just a beautiful thing to me that gaga at the age of 75 approached a man and told him that she uh she didn't tell him she was looking for a man but that's what she was doing and she got one at 75 and uh as i said she lived to be 90 years old they had a really really good time i mean i, I can see them now you know uh and it's just a, a, an amazing thing and it speaks volumes to the thing that i started off with and that being that you know no matter what's going on today is not new it's been happening uh for for, for years and gaga you know uh, attested to the fact that we can still be okay in spite of what's going on around us and i think that's uh the main impetus of this particular blog is that everything y'all everything is gonna work out you know i so appreciate um you guys listen to me and I want to, you know, say one more time that we're doing this, this, uh, uh, fun drive and you guys need to definitely call in. You definitely need to call in because I want this station to be here. I'm sure you want this station to be here because you're going to hear some things on this station that you're not going to hear anywhere else. And that's our purpose for being here to bring you things that you ain't going to be brought unless we bring it to you. So I need for you guys to call 949-824-KUCI. That's 949-824-5824. And you can make as little as a $35 donation, $50, $100, $200. You can make a $1,000 donation. And that would be nice if one of my listeners made a $1,000 donation. If you can't do that, make a little less, but make something. You know, call Shantae right now. She's waiting at the phone for you guys and she needs to hear from you and we need to hear from you so that we can keep this thing going uh again you know i just so appreciate you guys i thank you for coming out and i want you to stay tuned because my guy israel medina is coming up he's going to be here from 6 to 8 p.m and he's going to be bringing you galactic soup which is about some music some literature some film some video games and most importantly it's about some mayhem so y'all stay tuned for israel medina from 6 to 8 p.m make that phone call y'all make that phone call right now before israel comes on you know and i'm gonna uh cut this off right now so in these minutes between that time i need for you to call 949-824-5824 and talk to shantae about that donation thank you guys for, for coming out thank you for listening and as always in parting i'll holler <laughs>